Welcome and thank you for tuning into the Promise Center's weekly podcast. We hope that this message blesses you and encourages you to take your next step in following Jesus. As always, feel free to check us out at www.thepromisecenter.com for more information on our church, what we're doing to make a difference in Sonoma County, and how you can partner with us. God bless and enjoy this week's message. Is good. Here we go, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and 11. Now here's what I want you to see and understand and, and get as we, as we go to this verse. We've been talking about relationships for the last two weeks. I wish we could do like eight weeks, 18 weeks, 80 weeks, 800 weeks. Okay, that was an exaggeration. But I do love this subject because this subject matters. This subject is a difference maker in your life. And here's the thing that I know about you. You have relationships in your life. Is that pretty good? That was not the word of knowledge or word of wisdom. That was just like total like numbers game. And every one of you are in some kind of a relationship somewhere. There's friendships, there's marriage, there's kinship, blah, blah, blah. We can go on and on, right? All kind of ships, right? So the, the, the key is this, is understanding that all of us are connected in some way to some people and that these relationships matter to God. That's number one. These relationships matter to God. So we talked uh, the first week about relationships. We talked last week about marriage. Talking about covenant relationship was pretty cool, which applies to everybody. And this week, I want to kind of tag into a line here that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And what I like to do whenever I'm studying and also whenever we're reading and ministering the word, I want us to think of every, like uh, 2 Corinthians 13 and 11 is like an address, right? And like the book of Corinthians is like a neighborhood, but we're going to go to this address, and we're going to pull into the driveway, and we're going we're to walk in the front door, and we're going to experience the word today. Like, we're going to go, and there's like a couch, and another couch, and there's a coffee table, and there's some coffee with a little bit of cream in the coffee, because that's how I like my coffee, and sit, and we're going to fellowship with the word today. And then there's a kitchen where we're going to feast with the word today. And there's even like a guest bedroom where you can like go and like take a nap and rest in the word today. There's fellowship and there's substance. It's all tucked in the word. So don't bypass the word when you're studying. Like, like pause and enter into the word. Meditate on the word. Think about the word. So that's how we approach the Bible whenever we read it. So here we go. Second Corinthians chapter three and 11 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. I want you to say that with me. Strive for full restoration. Okay, that was a B minus. Let's go, let's, let's bring it up to an A minus at least, all right? Here we go, one more time. Strive for full restoration. So strive gives us the idea like, like this is something we're gonna work hard at. This is not something that we're gonna be casual about. We're gonna strive for full restoration. I'll explain what that means, but this whole message is, is about striving for full restoration. And then it says, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace be with you. And then it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. So before we get going, uh, why don't you pucker up and turn your neighbor and I'm just kidding, don't do that. That'd be really crazy and weird, right? That would probably make the news. But anyways... My job as a pastor is to lead and feed, and we've been grazing around the idea of relationships. I'm going to pray again that the Lord would speak to us today. Heavenly Father, we honor you. We thank you for your word. We're entering into your word, into your mind, and we want to understand 
and see the way you see. Let the living word teach the written word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. All right. So the big idea about relationships is that they're work. There is no turnkey, maintenance-free relationship. Can I just get a, an amen real quick, just so we're all on the same page? All relationships take work, okay? And that doesn't mean that they're bad. It doesn't mean that a person's bad if you've got to work at a relationship. It just means that we're different. We're all so different. We come from different backgrounds, different uh, maybe ethnicities, maybe different cultures where there's just like, you can say something one way that means one thing to you, but it'd be totally interpreted a different way, right? It's just, it's not easy, but it's important. And so I, I, love, I love the idea that um, easy things, easy is, never changes the world. And if we wanna go for easy, then we're gonna, we're gonna lose a lot of uh, relational equity that God wants to put into our life. There are people um, who we've been called to stand with, stand for. There's people that God brought in, has brought into our life to, to help us stand. And so when we understand how we stand and who we stand with, um, it, will, it will change the trajectory of our lives forever. So I wanna give, give you a couple reasons that relationships are so important. And then we'll move on to our big principle. Why relationships are so important. Number one, it's because success in life comes through social capital and relational equity. Bottom line, your future is gonna be connected to your friendships. Like relational equity is one of the greatest keys to moving life forward, whether it's spiritually, financially, in many ways, um, it's who you're connected to, which opens doors, closes doors, it's mindsets, it's, it's about understanding that uh, they say the statistics are the 10 closest friends that you have, um, your health, your finances, and even your emotional state will be at about an average of your 10 closest friends. Now, that, that's, that's on an average, so you may be an outlier on this, but at the end of the day, Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Proverbs chapter three and 20, we'll put this up on the screen. It says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So who am I walking with and in what direction? There are voices of less and there are voices of more. I need voices of more in my life. Not only do I need voices of more, I need to be a voice of more to speak into people's lives and to know that I'm not only receiving that equity, but I am a part of a social equity that's important. I wanna show you this. The Carnegie Te Technological Institute uh, put this out and it's essentially, we can put up on the screen, it says this, over 90% of all people who fail in their life's vocation fail because of destructive relationships or an inability to get along with people. Let that sink in for a moment. 90% of all people who fail in their life's vocation fail because of destructive relationships or the inability to get along with people. You need social equity. You need to be able to deal with the rhythms of life, the rifts in life, the issues of life, and you gotta be able to win in the area of relationships. I'm still dealing with it even at home today. Um, in marriage, being a father, um, I'm dealing with it. I was dealing with it this week. I was kind of laughing because 
something that my wife and I have been dealing with for over uh, 15 years now, being married, 15 years, we're still dealing with the same issue that keeps coming up again and again. I'll tell you what it is. I'll be very frank. Um, I believe that the toilet paper ought to go over the top and to the front. And my wife believes that the toilet paper ought to go to the back and around the bottom. Can I get a witness from anybody who understands? Sometimes I feel like my only calling in my home is just to keep going around and flipping those things around. And if I get my children to catch the vision, I'll be satisfied as a dad, right? It's never easy, but it's worth it. Relationships are work, but they are the equity and the capital that will give us the power to stand. I got a picture of Jackie Robinson. Some of you know who Jackie Robinson is. 1947, Jackie Robinson was the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. At every game, he was met with jeers and mocking of racism in the ignorant culture of the white American sports. One day while playing at his home stadium, with the Brooklyn Dodgers, he made an error and his own fans began to jeer and boo him. He just stood at second base, humiliated, not knowing what to do. The game was paused. And in that moment, Pee Wee Reese, a shortstop and a white player walked over and stood next to Jackie, put his arm around him and looked at the crowd. They stood there until the crowd grew quiet. And Robinson later said this. He said that that arm around me saved my career. What, what Pee Wee Reese did in that moment, he transformed and transferred the weight of the jeers and the mocking so I could bear it. I stayed in baseball because someone stood with me. I'm gonna tell you, there's gonna be a moment where you're gonna need someone to stand with you. You're gonna need someone to put your, their arm around you. And can I just say this? Let us not be ignorant that there's people who are gonna need me to stand with them and put my arm around them. It's not just what I'm getting, it's what I can give into these relationships. And that right there is a difference maker. Amen? Someone's standing with me. Number two, unity brings the anointing of God. Disunity opens us up to every kind of evil. Psalms chapter 133 and, and one says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard. This is the priest, okay? The first priest down on the collar of his robe. I want you to see this. That unity is like the oil that was poured on Aaron's head that dripped down his beard, now, m- most of us be like, I, I don't want that. that. That seems really sticky, right? <laughs> you know? But what that's saying is, is the anointing of the priesthood equaled access into the Holy of Holies. It was the high priest who was able to go into the Holy of Holies and have a, have a, have a relationship with God in that intimate way. Only one man once a year 
And what the Bible's telling us is, is when we're in unity with people and we're in unity with God's people, guess what? It opens doors for us to have a deep, meaningful relationship with God. And many people, many believers, many churches would rather park themselves at the door of preference instead of purpose. And we can't get along because we like a certain kind of music or the church is to this or what if or those people or this or that. And there's too much disunity in the body of Christ and God's calling us to get along so we can get on and do the work and the mission that God's called us in the Great Commission. Amen. So unity brings the anointing, but disunity opens the door to every kind of evil. James chapter 3 and 16 says this, for where you have, any, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. When you're living for yourself, by yourself, it's about you. One of my favorite sayings is kind of one of the core values of this house that, that church is all about you, discovering it's not all about you. Once you get saved, you're part of the search party. It's no longer about you. It's about those who are far from God, those who aren't here yet, those who God is drawing, those who are in the house that are ready to experience the transformational grace of Jesus. Come on, somebody. And let me just tell you, I'm the pastor of the church and I don't like everything, right? Like, I'm, I like carpet. I'm scared to do a handstand anymore. No, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. We can all nitpick and go this, that, this, that. At the end of the day, Unity breeds the anointing, opens doors, and it's very easy to become discombobulated, disconnected, isolated, and eventually it opens the door to every kind of evil. So here's our saying, and we're gonna put this up on the screen. We is greater than me. We is greater than me. You gotta think that way if you're gonna be a part of the church. We is greater than me. Number three, another reason relationships are so important, isolation is deadly, Isolation is deadly. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Bowling Alone, the book Bowling Alone, talked about it. it's actually health. Help. It's better for your health to eat bad, drink, smoke, do all like take in all the things that aren't good for your physical person, but be in good, healthy relationships rather than be in an isolation eating kale and broccoli. It's actually proven that right now there is a bend in our society that is promoting isolation. It's making it easier and easier to isolate. And loneliness, Mother Teresa says that loneliness is the leprosy of our age. People are lonely. The young man who was standing trial, I read this uh, two days ago, uh, USA Today, two years ago, he went into a school and shot, I, I, I think it's Madison High School, I can't remember the young man's name. He went in and shot and, they, and, and he was standing before trial this week and, he, and they said, uh, what, what was going on? And this was what his, his statement was. He said, I am so lonely. We live in a lonely world. And now everything about our world and society is bent and built so you can isolate easily. You can order Amazon. You can order food on Amazon, order all your clothes on Amazon. You never have to see anybody. You just hear the knock on the door. And when they're gone, you can, you can live on your own by yourself and isolate. This is not God's plan for us. You can have 3,000 friends on Facebook 
and still be alone, feel alone. You can be in a crowd and still feel alone. You can be in a marriage and still feel alone. And so we realize that, that the remedy for loneliness is not proximity, but it's covenant relationships, invested covenant relationships. This is God's plan for us. Proverbs chapter 18 and one says this, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Do not isolate. The worst thing you could do in a moment of tragedy, the worst thing you could do in a a moment of grief, the worst thing you could do in a moment of temptation is withdraw and isolate. That's what the enemy wants. It's time for us to lean into relationships. And if you find yourself looking around and you don't have meaningful relationships, it's time to get real and move the ball forward and say, you know what? I'm ready to start investing in people and connecting with people. He who wants friends must show himself spiritual. Friendly. Isn't that just like rocket science? If I want friends, I must be friendly. Just let that soak in for a moment. Let that soak in for a moment. Pretty powerful, huh? Okay, and that means you gotta smile. You gotta try, put a breath in, ask someone to coffee. If you don't drink coffee, like you gotta work at it. Relationships matter. I I say this sometimes and it's it's terrible. When I say it, I feel bad about saying it, but some people, their face... Like, like it tells me you don't want to connect at all. It's like that do not disturb sign on the, on the hotel door. It's like, just don't disturb me, you know? Like, like a smile, a handshake, a how are you doing? Like show yourself friendly. Sherry uh, Turkle, sociologist, psychologist out of MIT, leading expert in the world on how technology is shaping our society. She's been doing this for three decades. Um, She wrote a book, Alone Together. And this is what she says in her book. She says, we are lonely, but fearful of intimacy. Digital connections may offer the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. Our network life allows us to hide from each other, even as we are tethered to each other. We would rather text than talk. When technology engineers intimacy, relationships can be reduced to mere connections. And then easily connections become redefined as intimacy. Put otherwise, cyber intimacy slide into cyber solitudes. So loneliness is this deep pain and ache in the heart of our culture. And at the same time, community. Despite all of our tech, it is more elusive than ever before. What a big idea. We're more connected, but we're lacking true relationships. I know some of you are in small groups. I know some of you aren't. But even if you aren't, you aren't in small groups, you are in a small group. We call it the MIA small group, okay? We'd like for you to lean in and press into some healthy, godly relationships. Why? Because isolation is assassination to the plans that God has for your life. Number four, the fourth reason that relationships matter. The fourth reason that relationships matter. You can't be at peace with God and have issues with people. Is this okay? Because this is going to get really real here in just a moment. Okay. Now here, here's, here's my buffer. And, and here's, uh, you know, here at the, the onset of this point, I want to, I want to clarify something that one of the plights that I'm seeing in the faith community is this. Well, I have my own relationship with God and, and I get that. And I'm all, I'm all about relationship, 
I mean, Jesus said, this is eternal life that you may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent, right? Like, I get that the knowing God is eternal life. I, I know that relationship is eternal life, but almost it can become one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, yeah, me and God are cool. Like we got our own thing going. And you end up stepping into the religion of Cain where Cain said, you know what? I'm gonna worship God my way. I know you want a blood sacrifice and my brother's doing that, but I wanna do kale and vegetables. I wanna, I wanna go ahead and give a vegetable offering. Got an altar, got a thing. And God comes down and is like, hey, look, why can't you just do it the right way? If you keep doing it your way, sin's lying at the door. If you keep getting this wrong, then this is gonna get wrong. And it's gonna get real bad. And we know what happened with Cain. He goes out into the field with his brother and slays Abel. How did this happen? Because he goes, I'll do it my way. But what is the way that God wants us to have a relationship with him. What is the real way of surrender and really coming into a covenant relationship with God? Because you can say, well, me and God have our thing. Well, that, that could be based in guilt. And every time you feel guilty, you go and go, okay, God, uh, I, I am, I'm confessing all my sins. And you feel a little bit better and you go, see, yeah, me and God, we're, we're cool. I want it to be richer than that. I want it to be deeper than that. Why? Because God didn't call you just to have some grief therapy every time you call up. He wants to have a real transformational relationship with you. Here's the question. Am I in a deep transformational relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the question you gotta ask yourself. Am I in a deep, true, meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ? I want the kind of relationship that John the Revelator had. Remember the story of Jesus at the Last Supper? There's all, there's this table and they're having the Passover and there they are. And Jesus is like, the 12 are there. Judas is there. Peter's there. James, Andrew, they're all there. And Jesus says, one of you is gonna betray me. And Peter's like, hey, Jesus, is it me? And then Andrew's like, hey. And James is like, hey, I, I, I hope it's not me. And John the Beloved, who's nestled up to Jesus with his head, like his head on the Lord's chest. This is what the Bible says. Looks up at Jesus and goes, which one is it? <laughs> How does that happen? It's closeness. There's a place in relationship where you go, I, I know it ain't me. That's not in my heart. That, that's a, uh, and we have to choose closest. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Right? Martha's like, can, can, you get, can you get Mary in here to help me with some dishes? I love to use this scripture on my wife all the time. She's like, get in here. I'm like, I am choosing the better thing. And Jesus is like, she's chosen the better thing. She's chosen closeness. She, it's, not, it's not like you gotta choose like, am I gonna serve or am I gonna have a relationship with Jesus? What it is is Martha was being busy. She thought because she was in proximity to him, she was having a relationship with him. It was Mary whose focus was Jesus and said, this is what matters. All the other stuff can wait. Jesus is in our home. Has anyone seen? We'll do the dishes later. Jesus is here. And what happens is it's focus and it's intentionality and it's going, this is what matters most to me. And so what ends up happening is we create our own kind of relationship with God and we say, this is, this is, this is good. But then we have to ask ourselves, we gotta put it up against scripture because the scripture tells us whether we know God or not. Did you know that? There's actually a formula to discover whether you know the Lord or not. How many would like to know that formula? 
Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to know. All right, I'm going to share it with you, okay? And you can process this later if you're okay with that. Here we go. It says this, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And we can be sure that we know him, I want to be sure, if we obey his commandments. Some claim, I know God, but doesn't obey his commandments. That person's a liar. He's not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Now, okay, so the first thing you thought is, oh my goodness, I don't know if I'm obeying the commandments. I don't even know if I know all the commandments. Have I just been disqualified from having a relationship with God? You got to keep reading. That's the beautiful thing about the scripture. Keep reading, keep on reading, keep on. The the parents knew what that was, okay? (laughs) Verse seven, dear friends, this is the same text, right? I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, this old one or an old one you have had from the very beginning. Same commandments. This old commandment to love one another. Do you want to know if you know God? Are you obeying his commandment? What's his commandment? Do you love one another? That's the commandment. That's too simple. Give us a formula. Give us like, hey, um, we're attending church three times a month, feeling pretty good about it. Started a small group, came and went, but I at least got the checkbox. Like I signed up, that's a good start, right? I got two new, I got two Christian friends, feeling pretty awesome. Isn't it easier to do that? Hey, put, put some money in the offering, feeling really, feel, ooh, blessing coming, whoo, whoo, feeling really good. Like, whoo, you know, like we want that because that's easy. Showing up is easy. But loving one another, he said, you cannot love me and hate your brother. You ever heard people say that? Hey, I love God. I just hate people. Like, if you're, like I've heard people actually say that. Lo- love the Lord, but I hate him. I hate her. She's an idiot. You know, I mean, you're like, you're like what is happening here? Let me just say this. You, you can't claim to know him. Closeness, know him. If you have racism in your heart. If you, if, you, if you hate someone who's of a different sociological status than you, economical status than you, and that goes both ways, okay? Looking down and looking up, they're all snobs, they're all jerks, they're thieves. Get over it, man. Get over it. We're to love those who are like us, those who are unlike us, and those who dislike us. Love your neighbor, love your brother, and love your enemy. And it's pretty clear. If you have an ought with someone, the Bible says it's better to leave your gift and go run and make it right and then come back and worship God. But get that right or you got the whole thing wrong. Okay, I've already started preaching just if you weren't sure about that. I want you to know today that there is a litmus test for how this is going. And that litmus test is how are these things going? If you got a bunch of issues with a bunch of people, can I just tell you, there may be a good prognosis for you that this thing may not be as close as you think or hope. It's time to draw nigh unto God. He'll draw nigh unto you. He's gonna bring a little conviction. You're like, I can't keep doing that. I can't keep acting that way. They, yes, they cut me off on the road. 
but instead of giving them one finger, I'm giving them all five. Even the princess wave will work. How we treat each other. This is the essence of the gospel. Now, here's why this matters. It matters because most of us would rather, it's easier, dissolve a relationship than to resolve a relationship. And I'm going to give you the gospel fundamentals of how to resolve a relationship. This is super simple. I'm going to go back to our first verse. You don't have to put it up, but I'm just going to read it. Strive for full restoration. Say that with me one more time. Strive for full restoration, okay? The goal is that every relationship is fully restored. Now, the caveat to this is I understand that there are abusive relationships. I understand that there are uh, dangerous relationships, okay? Uh, The Bible is about restoration, but it's not about you getting in harm's way and being hurt, okay? So please... I hope that we can all interpolate kind of what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like you've been abused and you were able to escape a certain environment and going back and being like, hey guys, look, should have never left. I know it was tough. So got some scars to show, but pastor said I need to come move back in. You know what I mean? Nothing like that. We're talking about like friendships that dissolved. We're talking about relationships that were once strong, that we didn't care for, that we didn't invest in. We didn't even call and say, how are you doing, thinking about you, praying for you. Like just the awareness that these relationships matter. Not only should they matter to you, but they matter to God. It's a big deal. Turn your neighbor, give him a fist bump and say, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna read Genesis chapter three and six as we turn a little bit of AC on up here for the preacher Preaching good, preaching good. You ain't preaching unless you're sweating. That's the rule, right? We're trying to get the sweat coming a little quicker. All right, Genesis chapter three and six. And I want you to, I want you to see this. This is the biggest breakup in the cosmos history. This is the breakup between God and man. This is like the plight of humanity. You wanna blame someone for the issues of the world? Blame this bad decision. Disobeying God doesn't just hurt you, it hurts people around you that are connected to you. The entire human race by a decision. Genesis 3 and 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and she ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of them both were open. And they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So they disobey, they break this covenant relationship that they're in with God by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They're like, eyes are open, the glory that was on them, that was covering them is gone. And they're like, nudist colony, get some clothes. They're like, pulling clothes together, they get leaves and sew aprons. So the mighty Adam is now a seamstress putting together a little garment to cover himself, right? So the first thing we do when we sin is we want to cover up. It's human tendency. 
It's very natural to like, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. I don't, want, I don't want the shame, the guilt. We don't know what to do with shame and guilt. So we either, we bury it or we project it, but typically we, we want to cover up, okay? And then it says this, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the second thing we do is we hide or we isolate. Everybody say isolate. So like, what do we do? Where do we go? Let's, you know, let's hide from God. Is that a good idea? It's a great idea. Okay, let's hide from God. I mean, we, we are wearing leaves, right? This is the first camouflage in the history of humanity. God maybe won't see us wearing leaves, hiding in the bushes. Brilliant. So they're hiding. And this is what he said. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I'm coming for a relationship. Now God knows what happened, but he's still reaching. He's still showing up for a relationship. He answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman. The woman that you put here with me. She gave me some fruit and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so the woman blames the devil. And the man blames not only the woman, he blames God. He's got two hands. He's like, the woman you gave me. And so we'd rather fix the blame than fix the problem. It's everyone else's fault. It's everyone else's issue. And I want you to see what, Jesus, what, what God does here, the promise of Christ Jesus. He talks to the serpent. He says, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animal. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Essentially saying, this is an everlasting curse that cannot be removed. Reserved in chains of darkness, even to this day. It's done, sealed. If it wasn't sealed before, it's sealed. Bound to the earth, chains of darkness, prepared for judgment, the Bible says. You will crawl on your belly. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. There'll be this ambivalence, there'll be this stress, there'll be this tension between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So this is essentially what God is saying. God looks at the the devil and he says, here's what's gonna happen. See that woman right there? She's gonna give birth to children. Those children are gonna have spirits. One day, she's gonna give birth and he will come. And when he comes, he's gonna crush your head. But in the crushing of your head, his heel will be bruised. He will be a suffering savior, a Messiah that will come and be wounded because he's crushing all that you did. I want you to see how proactive God is. He says, this is going to take some time, but I've already implemented plan A. Wait, this is supposed to be plan B. No, this is plan A. Because it was inevitable. But I'm telling you right now, the answer, God is not reactionary. He's, he, he's in action. There's already a plan to reconcile God and man. One day Messiah will come 
And as they're bruising his body and as they're breaking him apart, what Christ is doing is they hang him on the cross. He's bridging the gap between God and man, this broken relationship. God didn't hesitate. He didn't blink. He didn't wait a minute to go, you know what, Let me, give me a couple millennial and I'll get back to you on, on putting together some package. And, and, and if you will serve me long enough and hard enough and, and you'll do enough things. No, God's like, I've got the answer. I am the answer I'm going to do something about the broken relationship. And that's why it's so important. The Bible says that we're to forgive as he forgave us. Proactive. So I'm going to give you the remedy here. Philippians chapter 2, 2 through 8. He says this. This is Paul writing. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another. Working together together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. And here's the key. This is what Christ did to reconcile a broken relationship. And this is the pattern that you and I have to take to reconcile a broken relationship. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Keep that scripture up. He's God. But he's like, I'm okay not being God for a little bit, a little bit to make this work. Think about that. I mean, he never stopped being God, but becomes a man. Like it wasn't something like beyond the nature of God to step out of his own nature so he might win one, so he might save one, so he might reconcile you and I. Are we able to do that, to get off of our high horse? Because I'll tell you this, you'll never be higher than God. So as high as you are like, hey, I don't do that. I'm a CEO of a company. I'm the grandpa of this home. I got great grand. Why should I apologize to them? Look who I am. Look at the mad respect. And even God steps down and is proactive of getting into the situation by moving himself out of his high place and humbling himself into the world. So number one, we got to move toward the problem. We'll put that up. We got to move toward the problem. Say that with me. Move toward the problem. Don't isolate. Don't run back. Don't quail. Don't, don't, don't hope that they'll do something. You know, if they, if they really want, Lord, move on their heart to come and apologize. I was 80% wrong. They were 20% wrong, but they really started it. And like, honestly, God, if we can just, if you can just move, actually a dream, a dream, a real healthy dream of how good I'm doing, but I would still like to reconcile we put together these weird scenarios for God and God's like, I left. Like I, I came to earth. You can't get in the car. You can't make a phone call. You can't create some movement toward reconciliation. You can't make this a priority. Well, you know, been busy, almost done. I've almost beat Super Mario Brothers 2. It's been 25 years and I'm so close. Like we're too busy to do the very thing that 
mirrors the presence and glory of God? He humbled, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself. Number two, he humbled himself. If you're gonna make it right with people, you gotta humble yourself. Like it doesn't feel good, it doesn't. <laughs> How many has ever been on the receiving side of, of a little correction? How many has ever had to humble themselves and like, hey, I'm coming to say, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Just sing it, it's easier. I just came to say, just don't look at them. I'm sorry. Are you still there? I don't know. I just came to say, I'm sorry. I don't know. Just at least start saying it, but you got to humble yourself. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Come back and see us. And then number three, he went to all measure to forgive. Like he, he paid the ultimate price and received the greatest shame to make a relationship work that you and I didn't even, we weren't even asking for it. You know what's amazing about our salvation? The Bible says we were dead in our sins. When you're dead, you can't ask for the right thing. You can't help yourself. It doesn't say we were sick in our sins. It says we were dead in our sins. It was the goodness of God that brought salvation. It was his goodness looking down on our pathetic selves and going, despite it all, I love these people. Despite it all, I love them. And I have a passion for them. And I want a relationship with them. He didn't quantify it based on, well, you know, they're really bad. This one's really bad over here. This one's not so bad. I'll die for you, but not you. Take a bath. You stink. You know, you just get, get it right. God is so, like, he went to incredible measures to make sure that his sacrifice paid for ever, all the sins of the world put on him. What measure have you gone to make it right? What measure have you gone to to reconcile a relationship? Still have an there's still some things between me and so-and-so. There's still this unspoken thing that I feel. Can we not be big enough? Can we not be bigger than that? You know what Jesus said? He said, you will know these are my disciples by how many dialects and their, their prayer language they can speak. No. You'll know they're my disciples by how much church they attend. No. You'll know they're my disciples by the bumper stickers on the back of their cars. What's a car, Jesus? One day you'll know. <laughs> you will know these, are my, these people belong to me for how they love one another, how they care for one another. This is not a negotiable thing. This is not like option B on the Christian plan. The fear is this. People love Christianity, but not Christ. When you fall in love with Christianity, not Christ, you don't get the message of Christ. And the message of Christ is this. What's the most important commandment of all? Love God, love others. And everything hinges on that. Today, I've come to tell you this. There is no relationship too far gone. There's no mistake too great that God hasn't called you to show mercy and grace to step into and be robust 
about the grace that you give. How many times, Lord, should I forgive? 70, 70 times seven. Keep forgiving, keep going. Because every time you do it, every time you reconcile, every time you humble yourself, you are the greatest display of Christianity and the love of God on the earth that can be displayed. Not when you're praying for people in a healing line, not whenever you're teaching a small group, which is super important, but whenever we forgive, we display the nature of God more than any other time as believers. So what are we to do? Full restoration. Strive for full restoration. Would you stand with me?